Hey guys, welcome to the Say What Needs Saying 2020 wrap-up. This is Zach and Brandon once again. We are here looking back on the year that we've had to see if our views change or differ over the course of the year. We're going to be talking about every topic that we talked about this season. And for this topic, we're going to be talking about discussing discussion, or in other words, the premise of this podcast. Basically, our first episode was why is it so hard to talk about these topics? Why is it so touchy and people don't like to discuss them? I mean, I think my my take hasn't changed too much since the beginning, but it's been more reinforced. I think that, you know, these topics are super important. They're super critical and important to people, but they're personal. They are sensitive and oftentimes are really deeply held beliefs, right? And things that are critical to to people's worldview. I don't know. I think that's that's why I think that people aren't willing to really talk about this stuff. What about you? I don't know. I think people are afraid of the unknown as a, as a culture, as a whole. So if you don't know what someone else has in their background, you don't know what facts they're going to bring up. Like I know people who want to have discussions, but they are afraid of different perspectives that may counteract them and then they'll lose their point. And people get judged. People almost get looked upon as uneducated or, or, or uh, ignorant if they don't have the proper subject or they don't have the proper uh, knowledge on a particular topic. No, even if you don't know, voice that you don't know that. You're like, oh, I did not know that. However, with what I do know, X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that's a good point. People are very unwilling to admit that they were wrong, right? I think that's something that we need to normalize more in society when we're talking about these things. You know, it's okay to say, oh, I supported this political candidate or, oh, I held this belief previously, but after talking about it, my mind's been opened a little or my views have changed and this is what I think now because I've been presented with new evidence, right? People aren't willing to to say that right now because it sucks being wrong. And for something like politics, religion, or culture, you know, being quote unquote wrong on something like that, it's tough. It's it, it's hard to accept and talk about at that point. I mean, I think you're 100% right. I think even doing the look back that we're going to be doing, there's some takes that we said in the middle of March or in the middle of July, mm-hmm. during the heat of whatever, that we're going to have to walk back and say, wait a minute, <laughs> I was wrong, or wait a minute, we were wrong or the perspective was wrong or the like we we have to even put it on our own shoulders to say what things are wrong and when they're right and we not be afraid to go back and forth yeah no i'm excited to get into these topics and kind of go back through everything that we've touched on let's go black lives matter zach what has changed in 2020 since black lives matter did the shootings go down Shootings didn't go down. The the random acts didn't go down. Did the political care go down? Of course. Were the were the people who wanted to use this platform or use this slogan for something good and for change? Did that go down? The maybe the hype of it did because maybe because it's cold. Maybe because COVID increased. Mm-hmm. But it's it's once again it's a topic that's just. Eh. Yeah, it's touchy. It's always going to be touchy. I will say one thing that's changed. There was a lot of police reform that did happen. You know, I will say city by city, state by state, there was a lot of change that did happen. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say that nothing changed. You know, there was a lot of good that came of these movements. Um, I will say one other thing that hasn't changed is my overall stance on on the organization, not the movement, but the organization, the organization I still very much disagree with. I think, you know, the Marxist roots of it and the overall attitudes and desires and policy prescriptions of them, I very strongly disagree with. And for that reason, I hate that the term Black Lives Matter had been co-opted and also used for this movement 
because you know it everyone who's out there with a black lives matter sign that's one more person that's going to see it and then maybe donate to the marxist organization but you know the movement did lead to some good for sure right i mean and i completely agree and there's even to a point where the words are more to a lifestyle that i literally have to live you know without any choice i'm i'm a black life and i think i matter across the board no matter what slogan or that no matter what corporation or organization it's um associated with however i want everyone to be aware of how much how many billions with an s of dollars was going to go to black communities because of this movement and i want you to be aware one year five years ten years twenty years how none of that money will come to those communities desperately in need yep and i would be remiss to bring up semantic overload because that was something we talked about in numerous episodes and where a word or phrase has numerous meanings i hate it <laughs> it's come up with defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and all this stuff. And we will get into it more, I'm sure, with some of our other snippets talking about some of our other episodes as well. Oh, of course, of course. Freedom of religion and the Supreme Court. We talked about a couple specific cases in our episode, but, you know, just kind of thoughts on freedom of religion in general and, and court cases. You know, since then, a lot of different cases have been heard. Um, some going in the quote-unquote pro-religion direction and some going in the quote-unquote, I, I don't want to say anti-religion, what right, but the religious group uh, mm. opposite their position. We've seen that state and church, church, and, state. church and state, yeah, that, that they really aren't entirely separate, right? Uh, whether that's a good thing, a bad thing, depends on who you ask, but clearly there's an intersection there and... I think that it deserves a little more hashing out. You know, I think that these are issues that are going to keep coming up. You know, we saw a lot of cases where churches were closed or forced to impose different different restrictions or things around COVID. And mm -hmm. I think we're going to continue seeing these things as we as we move forward. And so it's important to see, you know, what what we think about about that freedom and how far it can go. Yeah, and you touched on exactly what I was going to touch talk about. Like even with COVID, you know, other people, other religious groups are like, "How are you able to shut down churches versus casinos?" And then that's literally a conversation of church, state, and then gambling, which I'm sure almost every religion denounces. So, I mean, I think President Trump passed something where there's there's they're allowed to have the integration of religion and politics. I think just like the money or in God we trust on the money within the United States, it's all a facade. There's definitely an impact. Like when, when politicians go to churches or stand there and speak, like we don't want that, we want that separation, but clearly there's a level of influence. There's churches who confidently, like Joel Osteen's church confidently says, you know, Trump is our guy or uh, one of the televangelists, like Trump is our dude or you know, I don't know how many churches said we rock with Obama. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's across the board to say that it's not a part of American culture is to say that American pie isn't fattening. And I think, you know, it's kind of an inevitability. As much as we can push to limit the intersection between church and state, it's going to be inevitable. People bring their values and their religion into things as long as it doesn't become quote unquote excessive, which obviously is subjective. But, you know, I think that it's also important that state stays out of church, which is what we were seeing with some of these, you know, COVID restrictions and stuff like that. But we'll definitely have to do another episode like we did with freedom of speech, diving into the freedom of religion for sure. George Floyd. All right. Looking back at this, another uh, another tale of police brutality in America with the uh, focus being a black man unarmed put to death, unfortunately. This time of uh, a knee to the throat for eight minutes. 
Zach, do you did you get to look at any information in regards to um, just what happens with the police officers of that situation? Um, so I know the third degree murder charge was dropped, and I think that Chauvin was allowed to live outside of Minnesota. But as far as I know, I believe they're still awaiting trial. Gotcha. Oh, and, and, and that kind of echoes the same on CNN. It says, George, it says, uh, judge orders one trial for four ex-cops charged in George Floyd's killing, keeping case in Minneapolis, Derek Chauvin, Tao Thal, Thomas Lane, and um, Jay, they just have the abbreviation. He ruled that uh, holding a single proceeding for the four officers would ensure the jurors understand all the evidence and the complete picture of George Floyd's death. So I'm sure it's still underway within the um, the realms of the courts. Right. Um, but just looking back on it, what do you, what's your takeaways? I think it's twofold, right? I think on the one hand, it was clearly awful. And the video, everyone watched the video, right? That, that traveled across all of social media and all of the mainstream media. And it was awful. I think that clearly it was handled horribly and the officer should be held accountable for it. I think it also revealed though the the country or at least a large portion of the country's willingness or i don't want to say desire but at least willingness to jump to racism as the as the cause right because clearly it was it was awful but i still right. think at this point at least there isn't much hard evidence that chauvin was doing it out of racist intent and I think that was what sparked a lot of these movements and protests and riots and things was because, you know, the belief was that it was white cop killed black person because of right. racist intent and because of race. So I don't know. It was it was twofold. Clearly, I I stand with the the people that are standing against Chauvin because he fucked <laughs> up clearly. But yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you have any takeaways before we cut this one? Look, I mean, listen. Do I think that they, some very strong black man who was uh, going against the direct orders of the police or even granted mental health was a component of it that we could eventually that we would have to address because it's not really a focus in the United States. But honestly, I think, and I, I feel safer to say that the cop was an idiot. I'd rather yeah. say the cop was an idiot because I can easily see a white, uh, a white gentleman who had mental issues who, who put his hand, you know, just imagine someone like Kane from wrestling doing all the stuff that I'd put my neck on cane too. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just because if I'm an idiot, if I don't follow protocol, if I don't really care about the idea of another human's life, I'm sure he would do the same thing for anyone he was in fear of his own life with. So, you know, whether, he, whether it was a knee or he shot him, I feel like he would have made the same decision. Yeah. And we will definitely have to do a new episode on cases of police brutality across the board and kind of shed some light on some of these other cases, right? Because clearly, while it does happen a lot to Black individuals, police brutality is an issue across the board. And it's yeah. something that really doesn't get talked about enough. And we, we have to say what needs saying about those cases, too. Exactly. Masks, mask use, mask mandates, mask orders, masks, everything COVID and masks. We talked about it with someone from the UK. We talked about it with someone from Nepal. And we talked about it with some Americans. Got all kinds of different perspectives. And clearly those perspectives are still around. Clearly there is still a strong divide between pro-mask, anti-mask, and everyone that falls in between. What do you think, Brandon? What do you? What's your takeaways on masks of 2020? <laughs> what, if what I see think? one more, if I see one more person not wearing the mask over their nose, I swear <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna snap it like it's a, like it's on their back and they're pop right in their face because 
other countries have gotten, I don't care, well, we're not like Australia, we're not like, I don't care what we're not like. There's now, because of the natural variances that come along with viruses, we have different levels of COVID because there's an even more uh, deadly version of COVID. This because yep. people don't care. They're like, oh, it's okay, we'll spend time and then we'll get tested. That's good, right? People, um, I think it's even just based off the American construct that whatever seems simplest is the answer, but not for something as complex as COVID. Wear your damn mask. Why is, there's uh, so many videos on, on online, people talking about, oh, you're infringing upon my rights to breathe oxygen, or there's people in the hospital I've heard say, how are all these, uh, no, one person, oh my God. So one person said, how are the trees going to get carbon dioxide if all the masks are covering us? Yo, get the fuck out the plate. What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. And this is these are people that are educated working at, next to your surgeons. Okay, please understand that. Yeah, and I would have to. Be, I would be remiss again to not point out my anger at the scientists as well. The scientists oh. early on in this pandemic, and then you know going forward, right, with the the flippant directives and 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 ideas of what to do. Now, obviously, there is new data emerging. There is mm -hmm. new evidence emerging that can point to whether or not one should wear a mask. And at the time, you know, there was a lot of uh, desire to keep supply for medical staff and first responders and such. But I was so angry and still am angry at the public scientists and even Fauci and others for the way that they handled communicating things about masks. You know, early on, it was don't wear a mask. It wasn't just, well, a mask may or may not help. It was don't wear a mask. And Fauci even said, there's no reason to be walking around with a mask and then flipped. And so I think that, and I'm sure I'll bitch about it in future little snippets <laughs> too, but scientists need to get better at communicating. And if they had been better from the very beginning, there'd be a hell of a lot fewer of these anti-mask people claiming that the scientists are lying to them and don't know what they're talking about. Right. I mean, listen, 300,000 deaths right before the end of 2020, a good thousand, a good, a good couple tens of thousands is definitely on the hands of the government. Granted, Elmo could be the president that still won't let people wear their masks, but it's inevitable. And, you know, if, if the president overall isn't, wasn't a fan of it in the beginning or wasn't supporting it, what makes you think that the average citizen would? Right. We'll see what comes from it. The legendary hashtag save the children. Ah, Yet another hashtag that got its two months of fame and fizzled into the social media dungeon of darkness. I would say, looking back at it, I mean, it's still prevalent. You know, pedophilia is still rampant. You know, a lot of people wanted to cancel the Netflix thing. Granted, is that rage still there? No. Do they still make money off of it? Yes. Is there sneaky things that with the in regards to the producers and having a history of pedophilia or, you know, uh, being linked to different charges? That's all there. I think America just wants to bite at the next thing, especially with COVID. When you sit in the house, you're not able to do nothing. Divorce rates are going down, so you just kind of have to deal with the next person. You kind of just want something to yell about. And mm -hmm. I think with people who genuinely care, it's always a focus. For people who don't care, it became this big thing. What about you? What do you think? I think it had pros and cons. I think the pros were it did shed a lot of light on these issues. You know, a lot of people started caring a lot more about child sex trafficking and pedophilia and things like Epstein's Island and whatnot. It also had a lot of, you know, negatives, right? It pushed a lot of people towards QAnon, which is a very far-fetched conspiracy theory group that 
has a lot of unsubstantiated and contradictory claims. It, you know, made a lot of people overburden actual helplines and things like that, you know, with false allegations and, and claims tied to different non-existent crimes or conspiracy theories and things like that. So it had its pros and cons. I think that overall, it probably had a net positive, you know, because it did shed light on a lot of these issues where a lot of people just didn't know that this stuff was as prevalent as it is. I think it's also important to educate people about some of these conspiracy theory groups and the the more extreme and crazy elements of these these stories and hashtags that really don't aren't, aren't substantiated and worth pursuing. And I think you're right. And unfortunately, even with the hash with, with such a prominent hashtag, the focus is the people, the businesses, yep. Epstein, the concepts, the constructs, the organizations. Did the abduction of children go down? Did the level of the amount of black girls being taken in America, did that go down? Was it is it no longer 64,000 African-American girls every year being reported missing? Is that present? No. Did the numbers go down? Is that another focus for another hashtag that'll rile people up? We don't know. Is Epstein's whole situation with the island resolved? No. It leaves us with a lot of answers that a lot of people kind of just threw to the back of their Facebook history. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in another, I don't know, year or so, how much of this has a lasting impact and how much of it, you know, is is Save the Children and other organizations getting more donations? You know, is there something that we can track that shows that this actually did have more of a positive outside of, like you're saying, just stirring up a lot of shit and pissing people off and, and getting them vocal and loud and yelling? We'll definitely have to return to this in a future episode. And who knows, maybe even cover some other conspiracy theories and touch on some other stuff. Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. This was a this was a big one. This was <laughs> one that honestly, I was really proud of the live conversation that we had with this one. I think that genuinely, I expected this one to blow up into people fighting. We were already really divided. This was the first time that I saw two different groups of people, at least in the at least in the you know recent past, had two different groups of people calling the same person either a hero or a white supremacist and terrorist. Like this was, this was massive. And I was very surprised that we were able to generate some civil conversation around this. I would say that, um, okay. I mean, if someone like Batman is still a murderer, I don't care how the fuck you word it. You know what I mean? He's still like a cat still a murderer. You know what I mean? Like, so he mm -hmm. yeah, self-defense or not. Two people were two people that died, or one person that died from his hand. Yeah, two died. See, yeah, I would make the, I would make a distinction. I'd say he's a killer. I'd say he's not a murderer. He killed them, but murder would mean that he's able to be charged with murder. I think that the self defense rules that out. I think that oh. yes, he did kill them. Absolutely right. And is is murder or rather is killing inherently right? I, I mean, no, not inherently. But that said, I I still think given the video that we saw that it was clearly self-defense. And there's a case to be said about should he have even been there in the first place? Should he have had the gun in the first place and all of that? And I think that that's all up for debate and discussion for sure. But I wouldn't go so far as to call him a murderer. I would say killer, yes, but I don't think he should be charged with murder. And I agree. I think of, of recently Trump let uh, did one of his pardons of someone who killed a whole bunch of people, innocent people in Iraq, and he just got, you know, got, just got out of jail. So, yeah, you're now, right. there's a distinction between killer and murderer. Now, I will also say before we cut this snippet, uh, his friend was this is one update that we have. His friend was charged for providing oh. him the gun. 
So his friend is 19. He was a native. He was he lived in Wisconsin. He was charged for providing the gun to Kyle. That part is illegal. It was a Smith and Wesson M&P 15. The Rittenhouse gave him the money to buy it, and his buddy bought it and gave it to him. And so his friend was charged with intentionally selling a dangerous weapon to a person under the age of 18, uh, resulting in the death of another, two counts of that. So he got charged with two counts of that because there were two deaths. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But I think so for, in that instance, you know, the, the friend clear, clear as day that that is illegal and that charge, I can't imagine will fall through. I think we'll all, we'll all see what comes in the end. Honestly, I'm sure there's going to be updates. We'll just have to play by ear. Yeah. Self-love. I did a collaboration on a, another podcast where we talked about self-love. Uh, I kind of said my piece in the episode, and so I'll put a link in the description. But Brandon, what about you? What do you think is the importance of self-love and what do you consider self-love? I would say the importance of self-love is to the basis that in order to understand yourself, all emotion needs to be tapped into and analyzed. So when people are angry, some of the basal uh, emotions, anger, a lot of people experience anger or can't experience anger. They understand it. They internalize it. Whether they need to fix it or not, they make those uh, necessary changes and then they move forward. With sorrow, they do the same. With love, they may jump to someone else and their experience and then almost connect themselves to that person and make that establish their love. That's why they say, Whoever you liked in middle school, you go back to that person, whether you're 20, 30, there'll be aspects of who you love now to that person in middle school because of that very nucleating uh, concept of love. But in my head, self-love is not even a form of anything sexual or even romantic. It's how you treat yourself. It's how you embody yourself, how you value who you are as a person, how you tend to walk throughout life. If you love yourself in every form and fashion, the same way your parents love you, the same way, you know, may your significant significant other may love you. It's all about how you care for yourself. Same way how in my head, love for other people is how I care for them. Now, another aspect of self-love um, that I'm sure that this the dark joke in the room. A lot of people don't, care about you know or like there's some people who don't masturbate like oh that's that's nasty or that's vile and yes i do know people that still have those interesting uh perspectives learn about yourself because you can't ask your sexual partner to learn from you if you don't know you and that's just being objective and i think man you should have been on the collaboration and you have, <laughs> you have some good takes um but yeah i think the one thing that i'll add that i don't think that i said in the episode is if you're going to love yourself, like you said, love yourself like your parents love you, like others love you, etc. That means unconditionally. That means that you love yourself unconditionally. You love yourself even if you have extra weight, even if you have a job that you don't love right now, even if you currently don't make as much money as you'd like, even if you know you whatever, right? You've got acne, you've got whatever. Now, that doesn't mean let yourself deteriorate. Doesn't mean just let yourself go and just love yourself regardless. Loving yourself and bettering yourself can both happen at the same time, even if you love yourself throughout the process. You know what I mean? I Listen, I completely get you. And I, it probably wasn't just as I wasn't able to be on that collaboration. Yeah, man. We'll have to reach out to her and do another episode on the Love Lockdown podcast where we where we collaborated well, with her. And we have to talk about all the kids that came about from COVID and all oh, the divorce yeah. that went down. And, oh, man, be yep. a, that's, that'll be a steamy one. 9-11. It's a marketing campaign at this point. I don't listen. 
I lived in New York. I remember the day, like many of the people in the world, I remember the faces and the images that was there for the entire year. I remember all the different commercials and going to the military that came from it. I remember it's still going around now when 9-11 comes around. They like selling the commemorative twin towers. There's always, you know, it's, it's all in my head. It's all a money scheme. And knowing America, that's not even a crazy take. Uh, we, when we spoke about it, it was like, is it still necessary to do the whole everything that comes with it, you know, and yes, it is, but you wouldn't, re if your grandmother died of, I mean, a lot of people had to deal with it. A lot of people, a lot of people had, you know, passed away through COVID. Would you have to be reminded that every single year and see money and marketing and ploys and plots and it to be a market? No, 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 right. no. Let it be. Let people heal. We can move on. We have the Memorial in New York. We have a freedom tower. We have the tower there. Let's move on together. And I think, and I don't remember if I brought this up in the episode or not, but it reminds me a lot of Wake Me Up When September Ends, right? Yeah. The, it's it's about his dad dying and every year everyone tweets at him, whatever, you know, all the jokes, all the, all the stuff about it. And so every single year, dude has to be reminded of this. And I'm sure it blows. I'm sure it, you know, every year being reminded of that, you know, and for something like these families that lost someone in 9-11, you know, you're absolutely right that I'm sure that it hurts every single year. Now, you're also right in that, in where you say like, should we continue doing this stuff? Yes, you know, yeah, on some level, yeah, it is important that we remember these kinds of things. It's important that we remember the unity that followed on a certain level, right? The the unity that followed and, you know, kind of coming together as a nation. But, you know, the, there was a lot of bad with it that needs to be acknowledged. And I don't know, it, it does, it gets way over commercialized and monetized and it loses the entire purpose of remembering any of it. Right. I mean, people are still fighting the court cases to get some type of medical help from t over 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. Like if, if it's a really if, if it was really a focus on healing and bettering, everyone would have been taken care of who needs to be taken care of. Because clearly the money's there. But once again, it's just another marketing aspect for the United States. Drug use and abuse during the COVID pandemic. And this was one of my favorite sidebar episodes, I think. We had so many different expert perspectives and people that could join us. We had Kent Barrage, addiction researcher, Scott Silverman, crisis coach, Bryce Morrison, former uh, drug abuse counselor, and, you know, a former, uh, a friend of mine who, you know, suffered with alcoholism. I think that this was an incredible topic and it definitely needed talking about it was sad it was sad that this was all happening under the radar and it really put the country's priorities it shoved them in your face right it really made people aware that while everyone was focused on covid and while everyone was focused on locking down and stay safe and do this everyone completely forgot about everything that went on when you locked down Everyone forgot about everything going on in the home. Everyone forgot about everything that went up. Child abuse, spousal abuse, drug abuse, you know, everything, not just what we talked about in that episode, but so much shit is happening during these lockdowns. It's not natural, right? It's not now. I, I'm not saying that the lockdowns are never necessary. I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't have ever locked down for any reason whatsoever. But a little bit of foresight would have been nice. A little bit of foresight would have been nice to to have in these instances, right? And again, I, I don't want to rip too much into scientists, right? But this is something that we should have been able to foresee at least a little bit, right? We, we see some of this happen normally. 
now hindsight is 2020, but it does seem like this should have been getting a little more coverage at, at the very least. I mean, I think you're right. I think, and I almost laughed at the idea when you said hindsight is 2020, looking at what 2020 <laughs> was. Um, right. But I mean, one of the biggest things that in regards to the drug world that the United States was beginning to, I guess, have the proper funding or the proper attention to uh, fix was the opioid crisis. Yeah. You know, I'm sure heroin did not say, you know what, let's stop, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, how many more weed dispensaries have opened up? You can't tell me that drug use hasn't gone up. I guess it's almost like a classes thing. Like one class cares about it, one class doesn't, and they'll always have that separation. And then with COVID, it got even more, it, it got even less eyes on it. So more of it happened. COVID has evidenced a lot of elitism, and this is one very clear example where elites don't have to deal with drug abuse, right? If they do, then it's it's not nearly as big a deal, right? You don't go to jail, lose your family, lose your livelihood, and lose everything you ever held dear because you have an addiction problem. So it's not their problem when lockdowns happen and suddenly everyone is getting addicted, taking drugs, drinking so much alcohol that alcohol and weed dispensaries and things like that are the only businesses that are really succeeding. And it just goes under the radar. Freedom of speech. I think this was one of my favorite episodes so far. I think that the conversation was really good. We had a ton of listener input on this one. Oh, yeah. I think this was the most pronounced, at least on my end, that I saw within the Zoom chat specifically. I haven't, I didn't, at first, you posed the episode, I was like, oh, this is probably a point already bogged down. But in my head, anything of the, the initial rights of Americans is always going to be a hot bucket topic. And we literally span the gamut of all the realms in regards to freedom of speech. Yeah, absolutely. So the episode, we talked about hate speech and free speech. Yep. And clearly that's a, a very hot button topic. You're right. I, I think, honestly, there is a this speech is violence idea that has started up recently Mm-hmm. is is dangerous and i think that it's conflating the two it winds up justifying responding to speech with violence and i think that's the one thing that i didn't get into too much yeah. on that episode that that i really think we need to touch on in a future episode or something i don't know any what are, what are your thoughts on on free speech what what didn't we cover that you think we should jump into well, i mean before we even get into it i'm going to even pose it here hey guys whoever's listening would you say that the Nazi flag is inherently hate speech? I'll give you a second. And then the second question to follow that is, would you say that the Confederate flag is innately hate speech? Why and why not? And do you understand why both of those questions exist in the same place? Now, as a, when it comes to free speech, I, I so kind of like the same concept of how we have here. We want free and open discussion. Anything goes. But we, we're going to have to learn throughout time that certain things, like we can't attest for situations that hasn't happened yet because we can't necessarily think that far into the randomness of conversation. Same thing with freedom of speech. Every time something else comes up, either they have to adjust the rule or, or uh, tighten the rule down or loosen the rule. And the FCC, uh, for one, has been one of the main players in the social, in, within the media sector and then you even have uh, the government interfering with uh, social media and that entire uh, collaboration. So 
it's it's definitely something that's integrated in almost anything we do. We can't even necessarily say anything we want here. You know what I mean? As as mm-hmm. much as right. this is what he's saying, there are certain things we can't necessarily say. I don't know what it is yet. I guess we'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's not limitless, right? And I think that's you know we we covered that pretty well in the episode too. It's not limitless, and it's something that people should be aware of. But yeah, I think that it's something that definitely needs saying because recently there there has been a a lot of controversy around this topic. We've also got to do an episode at some point on cancel culture and the intellectual dark web and all of that. And it all pertains to free speech. Yeah. I mean, anything that regards to the freedom of insert whatever you want, it's definitely grounds for discussion and discussing it is almost exactly what we do. Skepticism, openness, and bias. Zach, what is your take? I remember this was originally your episode. Talk to me about it. Yeah, this was a great one. This is, we interviewed uh, Tom Kunzelman and we talked about why these things are important in conversation. Um, I think it was great. Like as a scientist talking about these things, it's, it's something that people don't often think about, right? Especially, and even I should say, even scientists. Skepticism is one thing that is pretty, I don't know, accepted and common to think about as a, as a scientist, right? Because you are skeptical of everything and that's what you're you're trying to you're trying to find new information new knowledge and so that only comes through skepticism but openness is something that often falls apart with with a lot of people is you know being open to all ideas and saying that all ideas have merit and then being able to challenge and criticize the ideas i i think these three were a good topic of conversation for him. And I think that there are things that we should all be aware of in the conversations that we're having and should work on, on strengthening, right? It's, it's tough. Sometimes it's tough to separate uh, the ideas from the person holding the ideas. And it's something that we'll get to this in a, in a later snippet too, but something Param was talking about when we talked with him too, is that, you know, our ideas aren't necessarily our own. They're just ideas, good or bad. So being able to be open to the ideas without losing respect for someone immediately, it's it's super important. Yeah, I mean, we've even had conversations. Yeah, I remember it. Uh, I don't remember the exact episode, but I me- I remember uh, someone asked us. It was Brian. He said, "Would you say that are good people that were uh, Nazi supporters?" And I was right. like, "Yeah." I mean, that's the openness to me. You know what I mean? That's the that the 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 human emotion the human track of emotion is so diverse so complex that almost any emotion can be used to or against their benefit you know what i mean i still think that at least in the united states that we're more on the side of openness but not on the side of optimism but we 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 have an issue with skepticism but we proudly show our bias you know what yes. I mean? Like, say, for instance, like even the LGBT movement and how how mm-hmm. much uh, opportunities they were able to have, even being such a public figure and a public voice. So much of in regards to openness had to come through this country, whether it be from the legal standpoint, the congressional standpoint, all the way down to the citizen. But the level of skepticism was definitely uh, almost almost hidden. Like you, you know, no one was able to say anything bad about the LGBT movement, but there were, and it came in the form of bias. They didn't necessarily say it was confusing to them. They just gave their their upbringing or America's values. They, they showed their bias before they showed their skepticism. And I guess sometimes skepticism is hidden under bias. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, completely. And this gets into another word that I really want to invite someone on to talk about too, because tolerance, right? This, this boils down to tolerance too. And what people think about tolerance, it, like there are a lot of intolerant people who think that they are very tolerant. I'll put it that way, right? I, like, you had a couple on the show. Yeah. And so it's this idea of openness spans past just being able to hear someone's point of view it you have to be tolerant of someone existing that does not follow your point of view too right being open about your point of view and then skeptical about other people's points of view like that that is all important but this idea of tolerance this this buzzword of tolerance i i think that it deserves being fleshed out in a future episode and i think that we we could definitely get some good conversation going around what that actually means I think tolerance may be the new trigger word for 2021. <laughs> the, the, no, no, because the cancel culture, a lot of people are like, all right, now nah, you can't just cancel people from what, what right. they said on Twitter when Twitter just started. But mm -hmm. tolerance is how much you can kind of put up with. Some, some people did blackface and their career's over. Some people did it and became Iron Man. So we'll see. Right. Brianna Taylor. This yeah. was one of the most heartbreaking episodes I think we did, you know, the the most heartbreaking occurrences in 2020. Uh, Brianna Taylor losing her life in a tragic way, right, being shot by police in her apartment. Uh, we were able to generate some really good conversation around it, which I'm grateful for. This was something that we were able to kind of see both sides and talk about the legality and the morality, um, not just, you know, whether or not it was right or wrong, but but whether or not it was legal, you know, there were a lot of people calling for punishment of the police. And, and so there were two separate conversations to have there, both legal and moral. I, I don't know about you, Brandon, but I, so I watched the, since we've done that episode, not much has really changed to be completely honest uh, since between now and then. Um, but I, I did watch New York times had a 3d reconstruction of the incident of the raid and mm -hmm it gave so much more information than I really had, whether yeah. it was the details on the, uh, on the witness testimonials, right? The, the neighbors who did or didn't say that they heard the police announcing themselves, the neighbor upstairs to Brianna Taylor coming out when the cops were out there. Like, I didn't even know some of that happened. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that the information was presented, I felt like, it, I was under the impression for the longest time, even that it was just three cops there, mm -hmm. right? Like my, my perception of this whole thing, I think was, was wrong to an extent. So I don't know as far as legality, I don't know what my stance really is because clearly as far as we know, it was legal, but I don't know with all the information that's coming out, right? It keeps, it, it looks sketchy, right? Mm -hmm. But as far as how it was handled after watching that reconstruction and like it was botched it was handled so thoroughly awfully yeah yeah and, that, yeah. and we, we had enough perspectives that even as the either whether it be the truth or a uh, fallacy or you know the, the, as the information came in we were unsure but no matter what information that came in it didn't make the picture painted any better it was right. still the worst color black you know what i mean it was mm -hmm. It was jarring. I mean, I could even want to see that because I don't even want to relive it. I was told that even her house now, the, the place where uh, she was shot is now a museum. Like I, I was like, oh, that might be a wee bit too early. Right. 
you know, it's just ah, there's a, there's already money associated with it. Let's mm-hmm. let's not. Yeah, well, and there's also like there was a statue that was put up for her, and I know that was vandalized too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of controversy still surrounding this topic, and I don't, frankly, I don't, I don't see why this one is as divisive as as it is you know what I mean like it seems a bit more cut and dry that even if you disagree on the legality right Mm -hmm. because the legality like I get you know people saying like it's illegal I I get disagreeing there because I frankly I don't know it seems like it was handled legally that said as far as whether or not it was handled correctly or responsibly I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around why that's controversial you know what I mean? I agree. The 2020 presidential debates, sir, what is you? How, how do you look at it now? Biden won. Uh, Kamala Harris is now the VP, first black uh, VP. What is your take on everything that has happened? And I think it's, it's honestly a, a bit embarrassing that this is what we had to choose between, yeah. you know, Biden and Trump. I don't get me wrong. I... I had a bit higher hopes going into the debates. I was kind of intrigued to see where they would go. The first one, holy shit, it was such a debacle. It was so, it was so rough, you know, both of them interrupting each other and... The jabs were unreal. Yeah, it it did get a little better, not going to lie. You know, the VP uh, debate was a bit better. Um, There was a bit more focus on the fly on Mike Pence than I think was really important enough to, to warrant it. The uh, whole thing was just a fly. I was yeah. online. I saw she had great points and no one gave a fuck. I was like, right. okay, cool. Just the fly. Only the fly. All right. Fly. Right. So, and they even brought it like, even, I think it was Rachel Maddow, like even asked, I, I don't want, I, I think it was her, um, but asked Kamala on air, like, oh, did you notice the fly? It's like, shut the, who cares? Who cares? Like, just just focus on the debate, focus on the content and, you know, whatever. So it did get a little better over time. Um, the other debates were better than that first one. But man, it was rough. It was pretty rough. And I wanted, I was thinking about all the, everyone who ran and thinking about all the, the people, people rolled their eyes about in regards to like Kanye West. Looking at Trump in his four years, right? Looking at whether the stuff that he did good, bad, or indifferent, and there's more than enough websites that covers it all in extreme detail. I think Kanye West would have been a better president than Trump. That seems crazy. Trump is a billionaire. Kanye's a billionaire. Trump has doesn't doesn't have uh, a history in politics. Kanye doesn't have a history in politics. Do I think some of the stuff that Biden passed, Kanye would not have? Sure. Do I think Kanye would have had someone better in regards to the public school system than someone that's never worked in the public school system and only went to private school? Sure. I don't think he would definitely get away with half the stuff that Trump was allowed to get away with. And a lot of the money, um, a lot of the motives that Trump almost seemed selfish about, I feel as if Kanye would not have been so draconian about it. You know, I'm just, you throw things at the wall, looking back at it, it wouldn't have been as, it wouldn't have been as crazy as 2020 was, nor as the president who was Donald Trump became. Yeah, well, and I was kind of rooting for a a Trump versus Bernie that too. campaign yep. too. The, yep. Looking back, like that was what I was thinking about the other day is I was thinking how it would have been more of a 
a battle of the ideals on some level, as opposed to Trump versus not Trump. That's kind of what it felt like it boiled down to with Trump versus Biden was you either vote for Trump or you vote for the person that is not Trump. And with with Bernie, I feel like there still be would be a decent number of people that would be willing to do that, right? The the never Trumpers, the ones who would be voting for anyone except Trump or, you know, vote blue no matter who or all that stuff. But I feel like more so it would have been a contest of whose ideals you believed in more because they would have been so much so different and so I don't know, strongly stated up front, right? I'm not really sure what Biden stands for when I when I look at him. Whereas yeah, yeah. Bernie, I disagree with it absolutely, but I absolutely know what he stands for. Yeah, he so, wears yeah. he wears his he wears his opinions on his sleeve, and that's one thing I can always respect about Bernie. Mm-hmm. With Biden and even the Democratic Party, you really don't know what their angle is with almost anything. Right. It'll be interesting going into 2021 and seeing what all happens. I know there have been rumors floating around of Trump running again for 2024 and even starting his campaign and, you know, all of that. So we will definitely have to follow up and do some additional episodes going into the new year. I'm ready. Interviewing two black police officers. We we interviewed two black police officers and we talked to them about defund the police, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, the thin blue line, all of these things. These were all topics that made it into the highlight highlight reel of 2020 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of division around police in general, around things like the thin blue line and the flag. I think this is another instance of semantic overload that I mentioned with the Black Lives Matter snippet. Uh, I think that early on, defund the police was very much the wrong the wrong phrase to choose completely and i think everyone across the board agreed that was just a stupid word that that had an easy hashtag so it was great getting their perspective on it i think that too often that the the law enforcement officer perspective gets lost and wasn't really thought about during this time i don't know what are your thoughts i mean and granted, we interviewed these two during the height of the uh, during the height of the pandemic, alongside the height of the protests, the height of the the video cam footage, the height of everything that could have went wrong in that realm. They were in that time period when we was asking them these questions. Looking back, I would say it was kind of like looking at Superman become Batman. Hmm. Like the the you know like Superman, he could walk proudly, and everyone says, "Oh, look, it's Superman." Batman can't necessarily do that. We still need Batman, but they didn't, They, you know, that, that, that same love, there's two different types of loves. And I was like talking to people who join, wanted to join the force to be Superman. And now they have to be Batman. And there's a couple of bad Batmans out there making it look bad. And it was interesting getting their perspective. I've heard people in the comments say they were playing it safe or that they were, they didn't really uh, give a, polarized side or didn't give one specific side but i was like maybe this is maybe that's the difficulty of it like you can't if you fall in love with something and then the world falls out of love of you doing that thing how do you even take that you still have to do your job you're still on a contractual uh, obligation you still want to serve your people but does your people want to be served by you and that can be either on the black end or even on a citizen level so and hearing it from them was extremely like raw to me because it's like these are the people this People have signs and people have burned down police stations. These are where these people work. It, it hits them differently than it does for us. For us, it's a TV snippet. For them, it's their nine to five. 
Yeah, it, that's an incredible comparison with Superman and Batman. It, growing up, having police in my family and having friends that were police, you know, all of this, it's it, it's still mind-boggling sometimes the the perception of police that is out there. Now, don't get me wrong, I I get it, man. There's a lot of negative experiences that people have. There are bad cops. There are just like you have in every profession, yeah. and so I know that once you have a bad experience with a cop, right? The second that you or someone that you know are the victim of police brutality or something like that, you know, obviously that's going to taint your view of cops. And I I get it, but it's like, it's so sad knowing that usually their intent is good. Usually their motive is good to become a cop, right? They become a cop, like you said, to be Superman. And I can't, I don't know, I can't imagine being in that side of it, right? The only, only example I have of anything that makes me think at all similarly, right? And it's not even close like to what they get. Um, When I was in undergrad at BW, I remember doing summer scholars for my research project, right? And so we had to, for this, give updates, you know, via via presentation to the different faculty and students in the in the program. And I remember one time going up and explaining what I was doing. And one of the faculty asked at the time I was doing a research with with rats Mm -hmm. and someone had asked one of the faculty members what do you do with the poor little things after the experiment and so it was that that feeling of like immediately knowing that someone thought that me doing my job was immoral Mm -hmm. um and again it's not at all comparable to the amount of vitriol and and hate that cops get no, but, it, but this is your perspective. So it has this has to come from your perspective, and this is what you link it to. You, you can't right. be ashamed. Of, no. So it just it it blows my mind that you know being willing to do that job day in day out with so many people in this country feeling even te- like even worse than what I just described. Like I I don't know. Hats off to the good cops out there, and you know the ones that we talked to. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Oh, it was course, incredible. The legendary Param Srikantaya, the man with numerous master's degrees, the man who used to teach, uh, was on television in India for over 30 years, the man, the professor, the, the, the intellect. It was a conversation about love and awareness, spirituality, divorce. The man's been divorced three times, no, married three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned so much that I even was able to transition into my own relationship. Say what he's saying, I, in my head, got became a little bit more holistic based off of that interview. One of my favorite interviews uh, that we've had, well, what, what's your takeaway? You actually was taught by him. So what, what's mm-hmm. your takeaway? Yeah, Haram is one of the most enlightened people I've ever spoke to, man. He, he, like, I had a class with him freshman year of college, and this was, you know, coming straight into the neuroscience major. I was all hyped up and ready to do research and, you know, all of the sciencey stuff. Mm-hmm. And then his class came up, and it was just jump into the, the spirituality side of things and the, you know, mindful side of things. And it's crazy how it changed my perspective on, on so many things. You know, he brought up a lot of points in there that in the episode that we had talked about during the class and that he's talked about previously in his talks on YouTube and things. It's just a great take on how to go through life and understand yourself and other people. He has such great takes on perception and reality and how 
people are just these things that we can't really understand, but that we should respect, right? You know, you can't fully understand anyone because you can't even fully understand yourself, really. And being able to respect someone, regardless of what their ideas are, or their voting pattern is, or their ideology, you know, just being able to respect someone as a human, as a person, it's something I really respect. I mean, I agree. I mean, even to for based off of his intellect alone, and I admire that, I almost aspire for that, is to have the Eastern philosophy with the Western background, with the Western uh, concept and the Eastern practice or implications. He's such a diverse man in intelligence and in perspective. Everyone should check that episode out. I think the country will be a better place if everyone checked it out. Please, one of my personal recommendations from one of my favorite episodes this year. Cultural Misunderstandings. Talking with Preeti Upala, Ask an Iranian podcast, Red's Ramblings, and some of our listeners, we've got tons of takes on different examples of cultural misunderstandings, misrepresentations, and misperceptions. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was one of our, at least for me, my I was, I was nervous the whole time. I, from the second we had everyone on and everyone had their perspectives outlaid, I was nervous because i didn't know what was going to be taken the wrong way certain things did get taken the wrong way i was like oh no this is it for say what he's saying are we canceled do we cancel ourselves before they cancel us is this episode alone going to become is going to rear its head in 10 years we don't know i'm not prepared for that zach i just started this for fun i don't know but it definitely highlighted some of just the minute ways that things could be blown out of proportion like I mean, look at the OK symbol within 2020. The OK yep. symbol means OK. Or in Russia, this means zero. Or in Japan, it's the sign for money. In Latin America, it's an insult symbol. And then for different cops, or let it be different organizations that were pictured with it, that could be a sign of, what was it, white nationalism or uh, the supremacy? I, we don't know. It, it, it took on many faces. Many people wore that hat of the OK symbol, kind of like Pepe the Frog, uh uh winnie the pooh in china you know it's, you never know you know, maybe a kid wants to be friendly and he likes the hundred acre woods and christopher robin and you go to china and jail is on you there's a there's the jail cell waiting for you so we don't we don't know <laughs> yeah it's crazy how all this stuff ties together in the end you know all these topics that we talk about they can all they're all intertwined and they all rely really heavily on each other right is speech and expression and all of that it gets it gets distorted across country lines and everything, right? We One of the things that we had talked about briefly, Preeti Upala had brought up the swastika as a previously Hindu symbol, right? As a, as a symbol that was used in Hinduism and was then, you know, commandeered by the Nazis. And so this, this idea of speech gets intertwined with language, which then gets intertwined with culture. And Red had talked a lot about language. Red had talked a lot about language and, you know, being speaking different languages from different places, and how there is no Indian or Chinese, you know, language. It's it's Mandarin or it's Hindi or you know, etc. Right. And it's just it's crazy. You you don't think on a day to day basis, right? You don't really think about these things, and you don't think about how it impacts the world around you and about different people and their perception and their reality. It all really t ties together into why a lot of the conflicts surrounding these topics it really exists is these cultural differences. And I think those cultural differences, no matter how American America wants to show itself, I think that's almost like the basis of almost all divisiveness within the country. It's the what we don't understand about each other 
and what's the quickest thing you can attack? Because whatever you can attack at face value is taking that face value and they, and they allow that to be the representation of everything. If we took that one step, and that was what we kind of get, that's what kind of we were getting at. If we just took that one step of understanding, maybe it wouldn't be as difficult. Maybe. We need to get everyone to say what needs saying, regardless of what language they're saying it in. That's cool. I like that. I like that. The kind and gentle share your faith podcast with say what needs saying. And Zach, I was peeved. I, I, listen, I am tolerant. I am aware. I respect both religions. I respect all religions, except I, listen, I wanted discord. I wanted controversy. I wanted the back and forth. I wanted the heated argument, but there's too much spirituality in that one for that even to happen what was your take i <laughs> i think my my take's twofold i think I, I i agree with you in part i think it wasn't quite as spicy as 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 we would have wanted it to be i think Where we definitely, was the meat? yeah <laughs> yeah we it was lacking that you know it definitely you know it it dragged a little bit you know it was a bit a bit more calm and and mindful than most of our episodes which don't get me wrong i was super glad that we were able to have that kind of conversation on there but that said there is a lot of stuff that we didn't get into that needs saying there are issues with every religion that we need to talk about we need to talk about radical islam we need to talk about the catholic church and molestation of children right we need to talk about these touchy topics that span every religion has some dirty laundry, has some skeleton in the closet. And I think that, don't get me wrong, I I want to continue encouraging everyone to discuss their faith openly, to discuss their religion openly. I know that's something that, that it's a problem in our society. You know, people don't feel comfortable saying I am X religion for X, Y, or Z reason. We need to get into those reasons though. Why do you feel uncomfortable saying you're a Christian? Because some Catholic priest is out in the back raping a kid. Why do you feel uncomfortable saying that you're a Muslim? Because someone flew a plane into a building and now you have to identify with something of that level of violence and and anger. And there are these things that make people uncomfortable revealing their religion when obviously that's not every religious person, right? Obviously that's not what the average Catholic or the average Muslim or the average any kind of religion acts like. You know, those things are things that are representative of an individual's actions or many individual's actions that don't necessarily reflect others. So yeah, I think that I, I agree. It could have been a little spicier. Um, I think those topics we'll, we'll have to get into for that. What about you? Well, shit. I, listen, I, listen, if anybody just heard that and you're prepared to come with the spice or if you're prepared to even let's have this conversation, let's do it. Uh, everyone knows, any, anyone can do a Google search about any religion. There's, there's a nitty gritty. There's things that are outside of the average. And that's what Say With saying will exploit. We will talk about those things. We are open for discussion. The COVID-19 vaccine, whether you're you taking it or are you not taking it, do you trust where it's coming from? Do you not trust where it's coming from? Will you take it? Will you not take it? Are you encouraged to take it? Are you forced to take it? Are you waiting for the beta version to come out? Are you waiting for the first ones to fail? Did you hear about the second, third, fourth strains that are out? Does that also work with virology and it comes to vaccines? Zach, as Americans, we don't know. What's your take? Man, it's 
it's a marvel of science that we were able to make this vaccine this <laughs> it is incredible <laughs> that we were able to do this like i i have to put a plug in for the scientists man this was so yeah. cool that we were able to do this this is like looking at the at the looking back on all of this right looking back on how much internationally speaking how much work was just dedicated to this vaccine it is so cool to me that this was able and that it's an mrna vaccine right that this is something that is relatively novel and and unheard of that that we are able to roll out within a year we i had a class i was in it was business of biology this year we talked a lot about big pharma a lot about health insurance and you know medical field and various things the covid vaccine came up at one point the professor asked us how anonymously asked us when do you think this vaccine will be will begin uh, being distributed and there were a couple different options you know different years and one of them was by the end of the year so I clicked it because I'm like okay you know I for one I was confident in in the scientists right because I saw this remarkable cooperation across the across the whole entire world across the nation, yeah. yeah but then also because i i did think that it was incredibly politicized unfortunately right it was incredibly partisan issue and so i checked it and there were maybe one or two other people in the class that checked that box and i remember seeing it at the at the very end of this anonymous poll it was by far the the lowest selected option yeah and it was crazy to me that that we were able to do it and that simultaneously there was such little faith in it like it's it's unfortunate right it's really unfortunate how the faith in science and scientists have been have been shaken these past couple of months when we should be able to trust it more than ever with something like this happening so quickly right i mean we have to rely on it's kind of like if you get a boo-boo you have to look at someone to help you and the person that gave the person that can help you with the boo boo was the person that may have pushed you off of the swing. Hmm. So it's kind of difficult for and 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 that same analogy can be used for why uh, the black community may have some misgivings about jumping into right, uh, the right. virus, uh, jumping into the the vaccine itself. But even looking at the death toll and whatnot, we were kind of like I think so when he said we'll take a kind of a closer eye and seeing if the implementation of the uh, vaccine has had any helpings in, in dampening the numbers of deaths or even um, cases of COVID. And the cultural implications of all of this. I think that we definitely need to do an episode at some point talking about institutions like the CDC. CDC yeah. was this close to rolling out a program of distributing vaccines based on race and was not going to distribute it based on risk factor you know it's something like that 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 evidences why even in this age of being able to trust science and being able to trust you know the institutions to roll out something this miraculous this quickly it, then then you turn around and something like that happens and you're like i see where the institutional distrust comes from <laughs> but you know it, it, it's, it's been and it's very much so been publicized in the in the uh the populace's eye because of the whole COVID, the lockdown situation everything was on tv everything was live we saw it all happen in front of us and the deterioration of the either economic proportion of it or the uh even just the lifestyle uh, portion of it uh was really a jarring one and hopefully the vaccine will alleviate some of the concerns or maybe not i don't know i don't know what 2021 is going to bring us 
All right, guys, that's our 2020 season. One said what he's saying, wrap up finale. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking us this far along. We can't wait for the next go around. Season two is going to start February 1st, and we have so many different conversations planned. Different topics, different guests. We are going to be collaborating with lots of different podcasters, and we are excited to have all of you join the conversation with us. Join the Discord, join the live conversations, and join us for season two. Let's have discussion.